I had been walking for a whole day and night through the desert, throat parched, legs exhausted from stepping through the soft sand. It was at this moment that hope drained from my heart, that sinking feeling of defeat, a slow, creeping dread that the inevitable end was near. I had come down the slope of a sand dune into a set of tracks going off into the distance. I thought I was going the right direction, making my way to the highway, but I hadn't. I knew I hadn't. Somewhere deep in my brain, I knew that this circle is where I'd always end up. A slight breeze picked up, pushing the sand lazily over the dunes, filling in my tracks one grain at a time until they would be gone. Paved over by the endless sands of time, the metaphorical hourglass ticking away what short time I had left. The wind picked up more, flicking dust into my eyes. I put up my hand to shield my face, looking down and away from the gusts of air. I didn't know how I'd ended up here, trapped in this desert, lost and alone. A place of relentless repetition, scarring my head and throat with thirst while the sun ate away at my burning skin. I reached my hand to my scalp, feeling for where the injury had been. It stung still, the mostly dried blood scabbing over where someone or something had struck me. There was no memory of what happened. I could barely remember who I was, my identity having been drained from me along with the blood and the sand. A bag was slung from my shoulder, the only thing near me when I woke up under the scorching sun. I opened it up, hoping to find some kind of inspiration that would lead me to survival. In it were the two things, a small canteen, which hadn't been even full when I found it. Its contents were drunk on the first day. The second item was a small handgun, which I had shoved back into the bag as soon as I found it. Only now that I had come full circle to my starting point did I realize its intent. I checked the magazine, but there was no ammunition. Pulling back the slide carefully, I saw a single, solitary bullet in the chamber. Despite the intention of whoever left me out here, there was no thought in my head that I would take my own life. Yet, looking down at it in my hand, I couldn't help but wonder at the object. Had my attacker been so cowardly that they expected me to do the job for them? What are you going to do with that? A voice behind me said. I jumped a little, shocked to hear another person speak out here in the desert. I turned slowly to see a well-dressed man standing directly behind me. He seemed totally out of place in his nice shoes, black jacket, and tie. He had an unkempt beard despite his professional appearance. His sunglasses reflected the burning sun back at me. I, um, nothing, I said, putting the pistol back in my bag. The man smiled, stepping forward a few paces toward me. Hey, I need help. I'm, I'm lost out here, I said. I can see that, he replied, looking down at my tracks that I had clearly retraced. How long have you been out here? I don't know, I said. I mean, how long have you been awake? He asked. I looked at him, puzzled, curious that he knew I had woken up out here. As if reading my mind, he gestured a finger to the back of his head and then pointed at mine. 
Like a reflex, I put my hand back to the wound, feeling the dried blood on my skin. A day, I admitted. I've been walking all night. He tutted at my response and walked past me. With his back turned, he reached up to his face and removed his sunglasses. Well, I'm here now. How about we move this thing along? He said, turning his head so that I could more clearly see his face. I held back a gasp as I looked into his eyes. His pupils were vertical, as if he had the eyes of a cat or a viper. He blinked and then motioned for me to follow. Though I felt reluctant to trust the stranger in any capacity, I was compelled, given my situation, to at least follow this guide for the moment. If I could find shelter or water, I could worry about this new person then. I began to follow, legs feeling heavy from exhaustion and dehydration. My companion seemed undisturbed by the desert and sand, though. He walked so deftly it was as if his feet merely glided over the loose ground. There was an unnatural way about his movement and direction, as if he not only knew the way, but that this place was so intuitive to him that the path he led was merely a chore. Come on, we're nearly there, he called back to me as I lagged behind. He stood atop a large dune looking out over the precipice. I had to use my hands and legs to climb through the sinking ground, bare hands burning in the sun-baked sand, muscles straining to their last effort, till finally I reached him. I breathed a sigh of relief as I crested the dune. Just below was a structure, something akin to a factory, that had been constructed out in the middle of the desert. A place as impossible as my companion, but there it was, shining in the burning sunlight. It looked abandoned. The faded glass of the windows had been broken in several places. Whatever paint or color had existed on the outside had long since faded to a dull and heartless gray. Several of the vents and fans that once powered the ventilation systems had fallen out of their respective locations. Even the front door, albeit chained shut, looked ready to come off at the hinges. I looked from the factory to my guide, confused and perplexed. Something in there you should see, and then we can figure out what to do next, he said. What are you talking about? What's down there? I asked, throat scratchy and parched. Everything you need, he answered cryptically. You and I need to figure some things out. And with that, he strode off, almost gliding over the sand toward the factory. I hobbled behind him, struggling as I slid down the slope. The structure almost seemed larger up close. Its towering floors loomed down over us, casting a shadow across the entrance. The man approached the front doors and gently ran his hands across the chains. The rusted metal seemed to degrade instantly, disintegrating under his touch and falling like dust to the ground. The heavy metal doors screeched as their old hinges struggled to turn. Inside the factory was dark, the only light coming through the broken sections of faded glass, pinholes of light cutting through the interior. Dust swirled in the beams, disturbed after long settling on the old and broken machines. I think you'll be interested in this, the man said. My head darted left. I hadn't seen him move away from me. 
He was standing alongside a large industrial sink that used to be a tool cleaning station. He turned the knob and fresh water began pouring from the faucet. I ran over and gorged myself on the water, life pouring back into my body with every gulp. The man stood over me, a small smile on his face while I drank. His gaze burning a hole in the back of my head, I turned to look at him. Drink up, he said. We have business when you're done. A kind of business, I asked between heavy breaths and gulps of water. The man didn't answer, though just swept away from me into the shadows and darkness of the factory depths. Droplets of water hit the factory floor. I wiped my mouth with my sleeve and shut off the valve. I looked after where the man had vanished into the darkness. A feeling of uneasiness churned in my gut. While grateful that my thirst had been quenched, I didn't understand how all of this could exist. By what means had this man survived? Why did he move like that? I had no choice but to move on, though, bound to this factory and shelter it provided. My only alternative was going back to the endless desert. Are you coming? The man's voice inquired out of the darkness. I stood and began my careful trek through the darkness. This section of the factory had very little light, piercing the opaque glass that blocked out the sunlight. Very narrowly, I walked headlong into a hanging piece of machinery before spotting it just in time. Just a little further, the man said. He had to have only been a few more steps away. As my eyes adjusted, I found him, standing in the darkness next to a metal door. He still wore that small smile, as if the whole situation was kind of a big joke. You left something here, he said. I, how could that be? I was left out in that desert confused. Oh, I assure you, he replied confidently, I'm quite sure this is yours. He grabbed the handle of the door and pushed down. A loud clanking noise rang out in the factory as the rusted metal parts scraped together to release the latch. The door opened with a loud creak as the musky, damp breeze flowed from the opening. Small windows had been cut high into the wall of this room, which allowed slits of light to penetrate the darkness. As my eyes adjusted, I saw what looked to be a small room with a cot, sink, and toilet. The smell was quite terrible, as if the room had never been cleaned, and a damp smell permeated the enclosure. I reluctantly stepped inside, something in my head wanting answers despite my reservations. There were several pools of water throughout the uneven floor, which seemed to indicate a sort of leak. In the far end of the room, next to the bed, the shape of a man came into view. He had long hair and a beard, and seemed almost as if he was dead. I wondered how long he had been in here, trapped in this abandoned place. How could he have survived? Then, to my shock, the man stood suddenly eyes wide and filled with the rage madness. He charged at me. My stomach lurched, but I froze to the spot, no sense of fight or flight taking over. He lunged at me, and I could see in that moment his wrists and hands had once been bound. The frayed edges of the rope where he cut through shined in the pinhole of light. In his hand was a large pipe raised high above his head. It came down with tremendous force at my head. 
I closed my eyes and raised my hands in a vain attempt to shield myself from the blow, but it never came. I opened my eyes again to find that the crazed man had vanished, the pipe never landing its blow. A stinging sensation prickled where the existing wound in my head had been. Like a reflex, my hand went to the wound, which had mysteriously began bleeding again. Looking at my hand, I sat in awe of the thick, red blood that coated it. You broke the rules, the man said, tutting and shaking his head. We don't let them get away, you know this. I broke what rules? What was that? I asked, completely confused. The man sighed heavily, shaking his head. He really got you, didn't he? Knock something loose, he asked. My hand went to my head again, the pain searing through my skull. I dropped to my knees, head buzzing and vision blurring. I pressed both hands to my head, hoping the pressure would relieve the sensation. After a few moments, it began to dissipate, and I could open my eyes again. I was hunched over a pool of water, the drops of sweat from my brow making ripples in the liquid. As it settled, though, the image of my companion appeared in a liquid mirror. His face, along with the unkempt beard, stared back at me in the reflection of the water. I touched my hand to my face, feeling the whiskers of my beard, running my hand through my hair. My companion was my clone, my doppelganger. He was me. Something wrong? He asked behind me. Who are you? You're me? I asked. Of course I am. Again, he shook his head. You and I are one. Same. Two sides of the same coin. How could that be? I asked. I found you years ago, he said, almost annoyed that he was having to explain. You were depressed, lost, frankly a waste of space. Then we began our project, and you had purpose in your life again. Until you let that one get away, of course. Don't understand what project, I queried further, almost afraid of what the answer would be. My clone moved one arm and swung the metal door open wider. The factory that I had passed through was illuminated, dusty light bulbs electrified to give a dim glow of the floor and machinery. The scene that unfolded as a door opened was one of absolute horror. Bodies of dozens of people hung from the rafters all along the ceiling. I hadn't seen them before in the pitch darkness, but now they were illuminated in full view. They'd been arranged like some kind of artwork, a macabre spectacle, a piece representative of the inner evil of my doppelganger. I tore my eyes away, unable to look any longer. We're in this together, he said. He removed his sunglasses again, revealing his cat-like eyes, peering down at me with the intensity of a predator, merciless and set loose upon the world. Yet he seemed to need me, as if I was entwined with him in some way. I want no part of this, I said. I'd take the desert over this. I tried to get up then, but my clone was there to block the way. I've been patient with you up until this point. Now it's time to get back to our work, he proclaimed. Out of my way, I said as I tried to shove my way past him. I don't think so, he said, lifting a hand toward me. From either side, chains flew out and bound my hands and legs holding me to the spot. The grip pulled on my limbs.
so tight, I felt my joints begin to pop. I cried out in pain as they continued to tighten their grip. You were pathetic when I found you. Hopeless and alone. I gave you purpose, and you'd just walk out on me, he said, eyes flashing with anger. So you get a bump on your head, and now you're done with me. No, no, we'll be continuing our work. He clenched his hand into a fist, and the chains grew even tighter. I struggled to stay conscious as my limbs felt like they were tearing away from my body. His smile appeared again, sadistic and menacing. There was no partnership with this clone of me. I was enslaved to it, a helpless vessel and servant to its wants and desires. He turned his head and back to me and looked up at the sculpture of death it had constructed. Our glorious work, he said, reflecting on the terrible imagery. And yet, you brought it here to the desert of your mind I created for you to wander. So very curious. His words ringing in my head through the pain. The desert of my mind. This place, this reality, was a manifestation of my psyche. If I could bring this place here, then perhaps I could control other things. I looked down at the chains on my wrists, the metal gripping my skin so tightly that blood began to run down the links. It's not real, I thought to myself. It's not real. The chain on my right arm began to loosen, slackening its grip. The blood poured from my arm as it did so, but I knew instinctively what I had to do. I reached into the bag, I had found myself with in the middle of the desert. A sack of essentials I had unconsciously given myself to survive and then to free myself from this prison. I felt for the handle of the metal pistol and then pulled it out. Raising my arm, my doppelganger returned his attention to me. What? That's impossible. I control your mind, he said defiantly. Somehow I knew my only way to free myself, the only way to stop the madness of this creature was to destroy it. As my blood dripped from the grip of the pistol, I pulled the trigger. The gun lurched in my hand as the shot fired at the creature. He hunched over, the shot hitting him in the gut. Only the effect wasn't like a bullet on a person. Flames shot from the point of impact. He moved his hands to cover the wound, but it had no effect. Veins of light began shooting in all directions from it. With one unnatural, deafening scream, the creature reached out, but their body was engulfed in light. It lunged toward me, and then darkened and disintegrated into a pile of ash. The other chains that bound me instantly released, dropping me into a crumpled position on the ground. I breathed heavily, wishing the pain would dissipate. Slowly, ever so slowly, it did and with many labored breaths, I began to feel whole again. I looked at my wrists where the chains had been, and there were no wounds at all where they had cut into my arms. I felt my head and the place where the pipe had hit me. The dried blood and lumps still remained. So the captive had been real, and though they hadn't intended it, they had given me the opportunity to free myself from the intruder that had invaded my mind. I stood and made my way to the exit of the factory. No longer was there a desert, but a paved city landscape in front of me. I was in an abandoned industrial section of this metropolis, a place that had long been forgotten and perfect for a snake to hide. 
droplets of rain hit my head as I stepped outside, and the sound of sirens slowly began to fill the air. It wasn't long before I was surrounded and handcuffed. The bearded man who escaped the cell identified me as the perpetrator who captured him. I didn't know what to say. The mountain of evidence against me, the factory of horrors sitting in wait behind me. There was no defense to be had, but I took solace that the creature had been destroyed. Though my physical freedom was now in question, I looked to the sky and gave thanks that my mind had been freed, liberated from the evil that dominated it, like taking my first breath of fresh air in a long time, or a long drink from the well after being lost in the desert.